0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Bob Sullivan Show here on OneStopTalkRadio.com, presented by Amazon. I am joined tonight by Robin Neal, recent graduate of University of Illinois, broadcast journalist student. Robin, how are you doing tonight? Robin, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Robin, I'm sorry. I had you on on uh, mute there for a second. My fault. Well, uh, uh, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I am good. And, uh, as always, uh, something technically is going wrong for me on this show, um, So, Robin, with the uh, living in Chicago and a recent graduate of Illinois, uh, how long has it taken you to start hating people from Nebraska with the, (laughs) when, you know, with Northwestern and Illinois games, I guess this is the first year Illinois is going to host Nebraska, but when Nebraska fans just flood into the state of Illinois and – you know, bombard your stadium. Uh, How much have you started to hate Nebraska people?
0: Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that I hate them, but they definitely do bring an energy that we love at Illinois. We're always going against the other team. You know, the visitors, whenever they come in the section that I usually sit in, they're right next to us. So it's always a back, back and forth between Illinois and Nebraska fans.
1: Yeah, you know Nebraska fans are, you know, they're called the nicest fans, and the, you know, they're, they're the smartest fans. A lot of that's self-proclaimed here in Nebraska. <laughs> but do you feel like it's more passive-aggressive as far as our, our fan base goes, where it's like, yeah, we look nice from the outside, but there's, you know, those comments throughout the game that they're, they're gonna, they're kind of gonna wear at you. It's like a little bit of a you know, uh, stabbing a little bit, little pokes here and there that uh, don't bother
0: you. They can stab at us sometimes, but only sometimes. I think as the games progress, if we're losing, and it, it tends to happen sometimes, when we get those jabs, when we're in moments like that where we're behind or we just messed up a play, it can really get to us because we want our team to win. So when they make little snarky comments, you know, we're ready to come back with our comments. But I think it's all fun and play.
1: Being uh, going to Illinois, did you, you know, when when Nebraska was in the uh, Big 12, you know, it was a general consensus that Colorado had the – you know the fans that were you know nobody that you wanted to hang out with after the game, nobody that you wanted to see on a regular basis. They, they were kind of the you know the trailer park uncle uh, of the Big Twelve. You know I I haven't really picked out that team in the Big Ten. Who who would you say, you know, in your experience in Big Ten for you know for for a little bit longer than uh, Nebraska's time? Who would you say that you know trailer park uncle that you know, causes problems at family events would these?
0: The team that causes family events. Well, the one team I know that we had a clash with me and my friends when we went to visit to support our school was Ohio State. See, we love the Mm. arena, but they have so many fans, so many students, and they really pack their arena out. So when you come as a visiting team, they are on top of you or even if they visit our school, they're geared down in all of the red that you could possibly buy. But they're really rooting for their school, so that's that's been the one school I would say that that's the problem.
1: Yeah, Ohio it's it's funny to me with uh like you know, like Ohio State they, I will say this: they, they're really good, so they kind of have a right to be obnoxious. Like Colorado never had a right to be obnoxious about anything. They were just no class, no knowledge of any sport, and just you know, it was it was voted that they were, they were one of the worst. So they're actually the worst in the Big Twelve. But Ohio State, like, I was kind of hoping you would say somebody like. Indiana or, you know, you know, somebody that that is an afterthought in the conference, kind of like Colorado was last, you know, you know, ever since their national championship. It always it's always funny to me when an afterthought in the conference is the the team that has the worst fans that causes the most problems for other fans when they come visit. And it's just it it amuses me a bit.
0: But the thing about, I would say, Colorado, they may be the ones that don't necessarily win and still have that fan. But I don't think it should be the same for, say, Ohio State. Like you said, they're really good, but that doesn't give their fans a reason to both because just as they can be great, they can be bad, and they can be knocked down next year. But right now, you're right, they're on their high horse. So they have they have the right for right now.
1: Yeah. Uh, with Illinois, do you think, you know, are they, Jim Beckman seems like he's always kind of been on the hot seat a little bit, not a lot of people and is you know, is Illinois, do you think they should have stuck with Ron Zook? I, I kind of feel like that, you know, it wasn't going well there towards the end for Zook. But the guy can recruit. And I kind of felt like they should have stuck with Zook a little bit longer. What what did you think as far as uh, with Illinois and in the direction they're going right now as a football program?
0: I've watched the football the entire four years I was there. I've heard about previous coaches, and I wanted to see what Beckman could do to turn it around for Illinois. And we always have a really good preseason Games are won, but when it actually comes to the season, to the games that matter, getting into the tournaments that matter, the bowls that matter, we never seem to do well and we never seem to make the bowls that really count. And Mm. it can go, it can fall on Beckman only to a certain extent. I think it also should fall on some of the players because it's them who's out there on the field who – have to make those instinctive moves and those instinctive plays, even though they are supposed to follow the play that, you know, he draws up. But putting in that work outside of just practice is very fundamental, I believe, in being successful. And Beckman can only do so much, but we'll see what he does this season. And if if he can't do very well, I think his job is definitely going to be on the line. What?
1: looking at, before we get into uh, Chicago sports, uh, like, you know, looking at, like, in Illinois or, you know, football programs around the country, I mean, it kind of goes Illinois, you know, Indiana, Iowa State, you know. These programs, you know, they have, like, three bad years, and then they just get rid of a coach or something. You know, they they don't really give a coach a chance, and I, I feel like you know, if you're at an Ohio State, you're at, you know, a Texas or, you know, Florida, you can't really afford, you can afford to, but you can't afford to, you know, wait around. I feel like with these smaller schools that don't have a, you know, not not just tradition, but, you know, the, the odds of them, you know, whether it be a Baylor or a TCU, these teams that, traditionally are not in the hunt for a national championship, what does it hurt to give a guy five or six years, seven years, versus, you know, he has two bad years and he's gone? I, I just – it 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 fascinates me with the smaller programs to not give a guy, you know, due time to build a program. What do you think as far as, you know, giving a coach, you know, at, at a smaller program – that doesn't have the tradition. What What do you think they should do? What What do you think proper time is for a coach to get? I to do agree with academy? it being.
0: I agree with it being long term for sure. It gives them time mm-hmm. to grow. It gives them time to get to know the players, get to know the program, and build those players up. I think a great player isn't isn't just born or created in. That one or two, three years that that coach is there. It takes time, especially to build a team. You can build certain players. Players come in good, but other players, they need that work and they need that that teamwork especially. So being there with those players for years and building that rapport with them and building them up into a team, I think that's what it takes. It takes a little bit more time. And like you said, certain schools that only keep their coaches for, say, two or three years, they didn't even really get comfortable. They didn't get a chance to, to learn their team and figure out what the strengths were, what the weaknesses were, and draw up a new plan and be able to execute it and actually try and go out there and win. So I think yeah. the five to six years is a, is a good amount of time to get to know the team and, and figure out what you need to do to change it around.
1: Do you think, like, I point to Drake basketball a lot. I mean, nobody the, nobody should know Drake basketball or care about Drake basketball. But, you know, they play in this crappy gym called the Knapp Center. They had a big run in, I think it was oh seven oh eight, in in that region. They went to... They had, like, you know, a 31-season. They go to the NCAA tournament. They get knocked out by Western Kentucky. I felt like as a basketball program, you got to get out of that small, crappy gym. They have, in Des Moines, they have this, you know, Wells Fargo Center that, I mean, you move into that, you might build a little bit of a program there. Instead, they go back, you know, after that season, they go back to being a doormat. And I, I feel like, like, if you're Football program, you need to like if you have a big season. Like I, I, I never, un, I've understood. I understand the con, like the coach's agent pushes for it. But whenever a coach has like one good season, you know, an out of the blue season with the team, then he gets like a ten-year extension. You know, let let's just you know let's kind of get close to the end of the first contract, and then you know build off of that. Let let's see what he can do let's see if this is a fluke versus if this is a, you know, if this is a trend. And I feel like, you know, schools jump the gun as far as, you know, uh, you know, signing a coach long-term. But I also feel like they they fail in building off of that success when they have a good season, whether it be in Illinois going to the Rose Bowl. I I don't feel like they mark, you know, these smaller programs. They they think like it's going to start happening year in, year out. Versus marketing it in a way that, you know, you know this this is the beginning of something. I, I don't feel like these smaller programs, you know, the the not the traditional powers, uh, are marketing this stuff well or thinking clearly when they do have a really good season out of the blue. Do you agree with that?
0: I do agree to a certain extent. I know that when football coaches, or any sports coach wins, it brings in a lot of revenue for the school. That's what it's all about, winning Mm -hmm. to bring the money to the school so that it could help fund different things or bring in better players. But as far as signing them these long, extensive contracts after, like, one win, I don't necessarily agree. Even with the pay raises, if if coaches win, I know that some get those pay raises or they get those bonuses but what is that really doing that's what I'm not understanding completely you can give these coaches these raises or give them a bonus just because they won this one game or this one bowl but it doesn't always happen and that coach could go down the next year. The team could go down. They may not recruit as well. They may not get recruits that they thought they would get. That could bring the team down. Now you're stuck with this coach for the remainder of these years. It could be beneficial for the team long-term just because, you know, he's close to that team, but it doesn't always work out. And, and money, it's just a big thing with money and schools and sports. It's – uh. it,
1: it always – you know, Notre Dame, like, it's a Notre Dame. Well, with Notre Dame, you know when they're going to start going downhill is as soon as they give the contract extension to their coach. There's nothing, you know, there's always, you know, a glimmer of hope. You know, Brian Kelly, yes, they got to the national championship game. Um, but, I mean, whether you see with, th- like, Tyrone Willingham or who I don't feel like got, got a fair shake and – uh you know, with Charlie Weiss, Bob Davey. They have one season where it's like, oh, okay, no, Notre Dame's kind of back. They get a 15-year extension, and then they get a $15 million payday as soon as they get fired two years later. So it's like, you know, you know, Notre Dame, you know, it's like the guy that, you know, keeps getting divorced. You know, it's like, okay, when are you going to learn? When, when are you going to learn? Like, um, so Notre Dame, I, I feel like Notre Dame is the biggest – the contract extension at Notre Dame is the biggest kiss of death after with, you know, a $10 million payday at the end of the, you know, at the end of the uh, getting fired. So I, right. I, I feel I, I always like, I always like those contract extensions, but enough about college football and enough about Nebraska fans being, you know, terrible. Um, looking at, okay, you live in You live in Chicago. We got the uh Chicago Cubs, you know, kinda hit a little bit of a bumpy road here towards the all star break. But they're relevant again. Is Chicago unbearable? Is Chicago okay dealing with Cubs fans right now? What what's the uh what's the mood like as far as Cubs fans go right now?
0: I've been seeing a lot of Cubs fans lately. Even people who aren't baseball fans necessarily have been turning towards the Cubs because of how well they are doing and it is really unexpected but I've been seeing an array of people who weren't even sports fans that are turning into Cubs fans. They are everywhere.
1: Yeah, I feel like with Cubs fans it's been I mean it definitely changed after 03 um, with you know the the mindset it's you know especially in oh seven, oh eight, it became okay, when is you know, something bad gonna happen to us? I don't actually feel that with this the the Cubs fans right now. Like I mean they get they get down when they lose, when they win, you know, it feels like a real you know, kind of a Cubs atmosphere just based off of Twitter and what I'm reading. I, I kind of feel like, you know, this, this group, this, this, uh, the Cubs fans are, um, I, I haven't seen anything like waiting for something bad to happen. And I feel like ever since the Bartman incident, that's the way the mentality has been when they're contenders. And I, I don't feel like that right now. Do you? Do, have you
0: sensed any of that? I have not sensed any of that. One thing that I have noticed about, the Cubs fans, and this has been this way for for years. They really love their team, regardless of the up, mm-hmm. regardless of the downs. They're there for their team. They're out at the games supporting them. If they can't get tickets to the games, they're at home watching. But one thing they do is they support that team. And you know, there's always that cross town rivalry between the Cubs and the Sox, but. People I know that are Cubs fans are really diehard Cubs fans, and and they'll be there through the wins, the losses, if it's raining, if it's a hundred degrees, they're out there. But the fans really love them.
1: Yeah, it's uh,
0: they, you
1: know, I, I grew up a Knicks, Giants, and Cubs fan. You know the Giants kind of have saved me from, you know, jumping off a cliff as a sports fan. <laughs> but, you know, I, I feel like I, I I regret not picking the Yankees as a child because that would have saved me a lot of heartbreak over, you know, whether it be the Knicks in 94 against Hakeem or, you know, just in the Knicks in the last 15 years. But I, with, with the Cubs, you know, rooting for them growing up, I – you know, with Mad I've kind of walked touch with watching baseball and, you know, being a huge fan of baseball. But, you know, it seems like with Joe Madden, you know, he, he just he, – he treats his players like they're kids. And in most situations when a coach treats his players like kids, it doesn't work. Like Like – he doesn't talk down to them, but he does stuff like, you know, dress up like a, you know, dress up like a nerd day or something like that. You know, like they <laughs> they have certain like getups that they have to do to, you know, wear to the ballpark and you know what versus having just the rookies do it or just, you know, just the young players do it. You know, he includes the whole team in that keeps them loose. And I, I feel like he's, He's the perfect manager for the perfect team in the perfect town. Like that that's the type of manager that gets remembered, that gets loved, whether he wins or not. I feel like he's the perfect manager for that town. Do you feel
0: that way? Yes. You say that he treats them like kids or he makes them do fun stuff. I think it's fun. I don't I don't see it as him trying to be condescending or that he should only do it to the rookies. I think it's for the entire team. He's trying to build a family and have everyone come and feel comfortable, and that's probably how they're out there winning those games because they're going with the mentality that we are a family. We're here to win for each other. So doing things like that, little things like that, I think is great for the team. And he is doing really well at managing them, especially in the great city that I like to call my home, he's perfect, especially for right now.
1: Right, I like this, you know, I, I think with him there, I, I feel, you know, like Dusty, you know, I, I feel like he's a, a manager that if things go wrong, and I feel like with the team, with Chris Bryant and, you know, Rizzo and all those guys, I, I feel like that's a team and a coach that, okay, say a, a couple of years down the line, you know, they're, they they find a way to make it to the World Series. You know, I, I don't feel like this is a blameable group of guys. It, it's still young. You know, It's still it, they're still kind of a fresh team. But right, I don't feel like this is a team – that it has a scapego- scapegoat on it right now. I, I, I just don't see it. And I, I think that's I, – I give my cap to Theo Epstein for building a team like that because that's, that's not easy to do, to build a team of people that uh, – of players that everybody likes and a team that has no scapegoats or a coaching staff that has no scapegoats as of this moment. That could all change because I've watched Cubs games in the past. So – do you, do you agree with that?
0: As far as them being a team with no scapegoats and having likable players? yeah, yeah
1: do I mean, but it's ideal.
0: As, yeah. Yeah. It's ideal. Like, I mean, There's a lot of scapegoats yeah. on other teams, but for us to have a team with all players that are genuinely liked by other people, I think it's a good look. It's a good representation of what their team is really about, they're all really good people who are good at what they do, and it's it's just good in my opinion
1: uh, on to uh well, does anybody really talk about the White Sox? Do we have to talk about the White Sox?
0: <laughs> we don't have to talk about them, definitely not. I mean okay. you know maybe a few comments. I haven't heard much about them. I've been hearing a lot about the Cubs, yeah.
1: not much about the White Sox lately though. Yeah, and that's I think that's the way it should be and the way we should I, I think that's the way we should keep it too. I I don't need I, the White Sox it's just like like even when they won the World Series it was just like alright, next season. They beat the Astros, big deal.
0: So you feel that you way
1: know, about the White uh, Sox? Uh, yeah.
0: You feel that way about the White Sox?
1: I mean, I, I don't really. Uh, I I I think I only talk about the White Sox like once every like three months on my show. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like it, it's like a mandate, yes, to talk about them at least once a year, and it winds up being about once every three months. But it, it's when we talk about it, it's with uh, instead John Loris, and we talk about their. Helmet nachos that they have at the ballpark, where they got the nachos in the in in the helmet. So that's the only time the White Sox come up on my show or Robin Ventura. Uh, but you know, we don't need to talk about that if you don't want to. Are you cool with not talking about the White Sox?
0: I'm okay. I guess we can pass them up for now.
1: Okay. All right. Awesome. Right. Well, uh, all right. On to the uh, Chicago Bulls. Um, Fred Hoiberg, who head coach, um, I'm obli- ob- obligated to ask because he went to Creighton. Doug McDermott has had a, a- another good summer league. Um, Doug McDermott, do you think he fits into the uh, Fred Hoiberg plans, or is he just going to be kind of another guy? Like when he with Thibodeau, what's your? Do you think we should worry about Doug McDermott this year?
0: Well, last when when I first seen him, I expected a lot. I I saw commercials, the way they were advertising him, he was going to come and be the next one of the next big things for the Bulls. But when he didn't deliver like I expected him to. I started to get a little bit worried. Now, when it comes to Fred Hoiberg, I don't know how he's going to fit in. I don't know if he's ready to have a breakout year and do what he was supposed to do last season. I don't know what's going on, but hopefully his performance within the summer league will will prove that, you know, he deserves that spot, that he deserves, you know, to be on the court. So I'm excited to see what he's going to deliver this season.
1: I I always I I, I always like when a guy comes out of college, uh, you know, a white basketball player comes out of college, and it's always he's the next great white hope, and it's like, right. That, that's that's more of a kiss of death than any, like just. You know, just let let him play basketball. I mean, it's like, um, you know, b- before that, it was, oh, this is the next Jordan with Harold Miner. That was the kiss of death for him. He didn't last 10 years in the NBA. But I, I just, it, whenever, whenever a label of any type is put on a basketball player, it is the biggest kiss of death ever. And with McDermott, you know, nice guy, you know, you know, great player in college. But, you know, Creighton fans complain that he didn't get enough playing time with Thibodeau. Sure, that's fair. But he also, I, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to be contributing to his team, you got to contribute at the three-point line. you got to make free throws, and you got to make shots if you can't defend. And McDermott can't defend. So you got to, I mean, you can't you can't guard a one a two a three or four or five in the NBA, and with him, you got to be making your shots. In that case, he wasn't last year, so I just I didn't understand the argument for playing him in Chicago. Were fans turning on him? I mean, even after he came back from his injury, were fans you know anti doug at that point?
0: I think some fans definitely were because they expected so much for him. They wanted him to be able to help out out our city. But with him only averaging, it was about 3.2 points a game. He wasn't delivering what we expected from him. So we wanted more, and since he couldn't deliver, it was kind of like, okay, who's Who's next up? Who's going to replace him? Who's going to bring to the table what we need them to bring to the table? And I wouldn't say that fans went around hating him or anything of that nature, but it was more so disappointment because we wanted so much from him. And when we couldn't get that, it's like, what's next? You always have to question what's next. And I'm sure he was thinking the same thing after he had the, the injury and he saw fans weren't as interested in him as they were before. It kind of puts a puts a, a dark cloud over him almost. He doesn't know what's next for him, just like we don't know what's next for our team. With uh,
1: the with, with the transition of Foyberg like Boyberg, nice guy, you know, called his nickname the Mayor. Uh, you know, did well at. Iowa State, you know, was a good role player in the NBA. It, it, that's a big transition, you know, from a nice guy to a nice guy from what Thibodeau was, which was a guy that that wanted players at the gym 24-7, a grind-it-out type of coach. Um what what, do you, what what is your opinion as far as a, you know, going from a coach that's you know, a, you know, that drives his players that you know, you know, grinds them away to the end of the season versus a coach that's a little nicer, you know, a little you know, a little more laid back, um, and you know, just coming in from college. What what is your take as far as Hoiberg goes? transition do you think it's going to be easy for a butler and a rose and do you think that's a relationship that can get better with a hoiberg versus a guy like thibodeau all right we got we got robin back um robin uh, with uh thibodeau you know thibodeau you know is kind of a you know you know grind everybody away you know we work hard every day. We go, you know, 40 minutes, you know, bring your pail to work. Koiberg, you know, a little bit more laid back, not as much of a, you know, grinded down type of guy. Um, do you think he can kind of mend the relationship that is allegedly kind of a problem between Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose? Or do you think, you know, you know, do you, do you think Hoyberg's a guy that can, you know, come in there and just take this team to another level? Or is there another level for this team? Or what's your opinion on this team right now?
0: As far as taking them to another level, I, I want that for them, for sure. I want to see them get into some of the final rounds of the playoffs and potentially the finals. That's what I would really love to see. But like you said – When Thibodeau was there, he was grinding them hard. That's what he did. He made sure the team was working hard and putting forth all the effort they could. Now, if Fred Hoiberg comes in with this mentality of being nice to the players, I think that's going to be a drastic change for the team. And for some, they may not know how to react to that, going from someone who's harsh, making sure you're grinding every day, making sure you're on top of your game to someone who is more lax, I think that could potentially hurt the team. It could take them in a bad direction because he is so lax. But at the same time, that type of attitude can mend mend those types of relationships, you know, between Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose. But I need the attitude, the, the nice attitude to only to help relationships, but also have a turnaround, like a an aggressive type of attitude where, okay, I can be nice, but also I need you all working.
1: If you're a, uh, you know, whether it be what, w- with Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose, you know, a lot of the stuff that, is brought, you know, is mentioned as far as those two being, you know, on different pages. I, I don't find it be a big deal. Like, I mean, okay, your two best players are on two different pages. You know, it's worked out in the past. Like, yeah, you know, like I, I don't feel like their pages are are different on the court. Like Kobe and Shaq, they were on different pages, but yeah, oh, you know, and it wound up pages. getting it wound up getting messy. And Pippen and Jordan, yeah, they were friends on the court, but off the court, they didn't really hang out. I mean, I mean, it's like I I always get upset with like fans when they're like, "Well, I don't understand why these guys aren't best friends." So, how many people that you work with are are you best friends with? Exactly. Probably none. Uh, I've never been best friends with anybody I worked with. Uh, in, in fact, I, as soon as I leave work, or any of my works, I, I don't. I, I'm looking forward to not seeing them for the next, you know, fourteen hours or two weeks, whether it may whatever job it may be. I'm looking forward to not seeing them. So, the fact that we put these athletes to different standards the people we work with, you don't have to be best friends off the court, but you know, you got to work together. And I mean, that's important. I feel like Rose and Butler can work together. It's just a matter of who's coaching them. Do you agree with that?
0: Right. I'll definitely agree with that metaphor of, of being in the workplace. We all come to work for one reason to get the work done. We have one main goal and it can translate to basketball. They have one main goal they want to win, so when they get on that court and, and they're doing what they have to do to get the win, things are going. They're going to work out, and they're going to be able to win those games. Just like when you go to work, you talk to your coworkers, even if you don't necessarily like them or if you don't hang out with them outside of the workplace. You have whatever conversations or work together in whatever type of setting it has to be to make sure you get the work done. On the court, they're going to do the same thing, but I also think that it could be bad. Having bad relationships off the court can definitely affect people on the court. I don't want to see that translate to being on the court and them losing and them flashing or or being really trivial and childish and not wanting to pass each other the ball or something like that. But even if you don't necessarily like one another, you find a way to get along because they both have the same goal. They both want to win, and I'm sure they won't let something off the court affect getting the W on the court.
1: I, I always kind of wonder, as a fan and as a guy that watch, watches reality TV, which is, like, I, I never – looking back at the Kobe and Shaq drama, mm-hmm. like, until – there there was really no like it, it didn't blow up until there was the eagle colorado thing but what happened there you know there was no you know there was there was beef but it didn't boil over until that point like it, it became more of a deal at that point after the third title and then after Kobe's in, incident Right. that it, it became a deal. And I, I always feel like, you know, the media, whether, you know, they said, you know, I mean, let's be honest, basketball is TV show. And I always wonder if, you know, to create storylines, because, I mean, it was pretty, you, you knew the Lakers, the Lakers were going to beat the Kings or, you know, whoever they beat, it, it creates storylines you know, a Kobe Shaq storyline all season. And I I never really, you never saw that on the court with Butler and Rose. And I I feel like that might be coming at a certain point with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Like, I don't think there's going to be anything real. I think it's just going to be, I mean, I guess I, I could be wrong because David Stern's not, you know, in the house anymore, but, You know, always a storyline stirred up at some point that focuses all the attention on the NBA. Like, I I feel like that could be in the works with Curry and Thompson because Rose and uh, Butler, I I guess, just doesn't give enough juice to the national media as far as those two not being best friends. Do you you know what I mean as far as what I'm saying?
0: I get what you're saying in terms of the media. The media is always looking for the next big story, the the next lead, the next thing to talk about. And even going back to to Kobe and Shaq, I was recently on a, a social media. It had to be either Twitter or Instagram. And I saw a post regarding them to feuding, and it dated back years ago. And for people who, say, didn't even know about the feud, just having that circulating it's another storyline, and it and it causes more drama, and it it causes fans or people that are just watching to ask more questions. But in the off season, yes, they're looking for storylines, but I think they could go about it in a more positive light. And going back to Steph Curry, he just had a new baby that was born. They could talk about that and how he's going to be a, a good father, or what he plans on doing in the off season since he has a little bit of time to be with his daughters. What they're going to do. I don't think they should focus all the time on on the beef between Steph and Clay, or Jimmy and Rose, or Shaq and Kobe. There's different ways mm-hmm. that you could go about having a storyline, but it could be in a more positive light. and With the media, they always look. Look for something that's going to catch fans' attention, that's going to keep them around. Something that's dramatic and brings drama, and have the fans going ooh and ah. They could do that in a different way.
1: Yeah, I I always say I've had this conversation with a lot of people, but like the most interesting, I feel like the most interesting story like, I wish social media was around and I was around for, would have been the Kennedy assassination. I mean, just imagine, I mean, that that, that could have been solved in, you know, five minutes. Oh, yes, just social right. media and all the camera phones and everything. What do you think the best fourth story? Well, I, actually, number two, in my opinion, is the OJ. Uh, the, the OJ thing is, I, I think that would have been Another fascinating thing to see with how people react on social media, but as far as sports go, what do you think the biggest story or biggest thing uh, that social media missed? So, like social media, like Facebook, Twitter. I'd say pre two thousand six, maybe is that mm-hmm. would that be accurate? Pre pre two thousand eight. What would what do you think we missed? as far as seen on social media, sports-wise?
0: Hmm. Things that we missed. I think we get to see a lot of it. Even if we don't see it right away, it finds a way to work itself around into it and, and into the, the user's hands or on Facebook or on Twitter but pre two thousand six, I was still young. I didn't even know what was going on at that time. I didn't know much about yeah. anything, but so I, I wouldn't even have an answer to that.
1: But uh, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not sure what sports. I actually kind of feel like it's Kobe Shaq. Like I, I feel like really out on the social media. Yeah, I, I mean. I mean, you look at, like, whether it be Kurt Gibson, like, sports moments on social media are cool, but I feel like now it's like, you know, with Goodell, you know, whether Goodell makes the right decision or you know, the Ray Rice situation, whatever it may be, I feel like it's the storylines off the field. Like, I, I feel like the Kobe Shaq saga like that that would have been so big on Twitter. I, I feel right. like I feel like I really missed out on a Twitter just watching Twitter explode over not only Kobe hating Shaq, then Kobe and Shaq you know, Shaq not calling Kobe and then you know, it going to a situation where Carl Malone and Gary Payton are on the Lakers. And then you factor in Carl Malone hitting on Kobe Bryant's wife during that season. I mean, that whole saga would have been, like, it was awesome at the time when I was, like, 13. I, I can't imagine how awesome it would be at 25, watching it happen on Twitter and watching, you know, looking at, you know, like, all these writers like there would be so many more stories now about that situation that didn't come to light and then them losing in the finals and you know yeah i i just feel like that would have been the greatest saga of a year on twitter with the kobe shack thing that we missed it out on
0: it would have on. it would have and they had a bit more privacy back then because social media wasn't as relevant there wasn't there weren't camera phones. There wasn't any of that. So they had some privacy. They were able to keep some things under wraps. But like you said, nowadays, if, if that would, were to happen right now, say, they were just so happy to be on the same team again. If that happened right now, I, I do agree. Cameras would be out. If, if anything went left on the court or if one made a facial remark or said something to the other, that would be a replay more so than a good play in the game, like what they were doing. Yeah. That would be the storyline instead of the game itself.
1: Well, and like TMZ would be at every single game with those. Teams. They would. Like th- those were the those those were the two biggest stars at that point. TMZ didn't even exist. Well, maybe they did, but they weren't as prevalent as they are now. They would have been at every game. There there would have been something going on at every game that we would know about that all these um, idiot Laker fans would be tweeting about left and right. I mean, it would just be uh, – I, I just feel like we missed out on JFK. We missed out on Kobe and Shaq. I I, I, I can't believe with Kobe and Shaq – like, Kobe and Shaq, there's just there, – there's, there's stuff that we won't know that we definitely shouldn't know as far as what happened there.
0: They did a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of – He say, she say. I know I I ran across something not too long ago between the two. And it's just, to me, to think that one would have said that about the other, it just really blows my mind. So I don't know how much of it really came out of their mouths or the media misconstrued some words to turn it into a story. I don't know what happened, but... If it were in today's day and age with the cameras, with the phones, with recording devices, we would have had a clear picture of what happened. But all the time, it's not really our its not our business. But fans are nosy. So that's how it gets up.
1: No. Um, uh, couple more things before I let you go. Um, okay. I, I had JFK for my historic Twitter social media what would your historic thing that you would have liked to see on social media be
0: i'm really big on movements and and things like that so maybe the march with Martin Luther King i think that would have been really cool oh. just to see that with um we we always see you know the historic photos of it but actually seeing live footage you know nowadays people are out there recording everything they do so actually seeing someone walk in that march and being there to record the speech and and get live video and and see reactions that would have been really cool to see
1: um, I'm with you I would have also liked to have seen a selfie of uh, ben, of Benedict Arnold trading <laughs> against the United States. I I would have liked to have seen that on social media. Like uh, B Dick Arnold thirty two, so sel- at B Dick Arnold thirty two <laughs> selfie with him with the British, and he's like, "Yo, I'm trading right now." Yeah, I I feel like that would that would be kind of cool, but. You, I agree with you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: You know what else would have been cool? If Marilyn Monroe yeah. would have had an Instagram account.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah, John Hancock with a selfie with him signing the Declaration of Independence first. That would have know, been I mean, there's cool. a lot of Yeah. I, I feel like we definitely missed out on a lot of selfies over the years. We um,
0: did.
1: I mean, or... You know, and it would actually be interesting to see, you know, people at, you know, okay. you know, at, at like ninety two, taking selfies. Watching them try to take selfies is as interesting as thinking about Benedict Arnold or John Hancock trying to take a selfie.
0: Or even working a selfie stick. Now imagine that.
1: Oh, have, have you bought a selfie stick?
0: I have
1: one, actually. I do. Oh boy, Jesus! I'm sorry. It's okay. How often do you use, it, use often. it? Not
0: often. Okay, but all right. I knew you would ask me that. Well, what, what,
1: what? Okay, what what would you say is acceptable for the selfie stick usage to not taking selfies? What what, what do you think is acceptable? Like. I, I, I've never, I've never bought a selfie stick. Okay. I will admit I take an occasional selfie on Snapchat <laughs> to send, but I, I never use, a, uh, I've never used a, uh, selfie stick. And I, I, frankly, I don't even know how they work, but you know, how often do you use them?
0: I only use it if I go on vacation. That was the initial reason I bought it. I wanted to be able to get me and my friends in one picture without mm-hmm. having to ask someone else to take it for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the right. perfect yeah. use
0: for it. The, okay.
1: I, I'll give you that. But, okay. When somebody says, okay, does it bug you? Cause it bugs me when somebody says hashtag selfie, hashtag selfie stick. And it's like, just do you? Man. I could tell there was a selfie stick in this when I saw the shadow. Like, don't tell me. Like, I, I don't care. Like, these hashtags are getting out of control and these selfies are getting out of control. But I, I do agree with you. Like, okay, the other day, the team I coach, we won districts, and I mean, I, I asked somebody else to take pictures, yes, I could have used the selfie stick. But I'm a little traditional, and I was like, hey, just take my phone, just take as many pictures as you can. I I, I just don't the, – the selfie stick, the shadow of the shel- selfie stick, and you, you – yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just bugs me.
0: You have to find the perfect way to take it. There's a certain angle. like It's a science behind selfie sticks. You have to make sure the, the sun is behind the camera in a certain way so you yeah. don't get that shadow. It's it's a work part. But once you figure out how to do it, you get the perfect selfie. You can get your entire, like, body in an actual shot. And that that's the perfect part about a selfie stick. You can get your entire outfit, that, not just your face.
1: Is it a tad sad when... You see somebody like I always feel bad. Like, not that I'm not alone 90% of my life, but when I see somebody taking a selfie with a selfie stick by themselves, I feel a little bad. I'm just like, no, it's it's not like I'm like okay, you need like the selfie stick should be with you know like I get it with a group. Okay. So with, with by themselves, it's like, do you even need a selfie stick? Can you just be like, take take a, take a mug shot? That, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all I do. I mean, I mean follow my lead. That, that's what it should be.
0: That's very true. But people, like, when they have their selfie sticks and they're taking them by themselves, I don't feel sorry for them necessarily, but I know they do feel really awkward because it's a long stick. You got your phone at the end and you're sitting there trying to take the perfect picture. And I always hate when people stare at me when I'm taking pictures because I feel awkward. So to add a selfie stick to that, that's just beyond awkward.
1: Do you... How... Okay, I... I, I always feel awkward in a room. Not awkward in a room, but I get because the person's not look when the person's not looking at you, but you see them taking a Snapchat screen like selfie. Mm-hmm. I, I, I make sure that they're like I make sure that there's nobody within a hundred miles or even in my car when I'm taking a, a Snapchat selfie. Do you like? I I find it funny like whenever I see somebody trying to take a Snapchat selfie. I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Although then I think I'm like I just did that 45 minutes ago in my car at the red light. <laughs> I I I I just like I can't get over because as soon as you see their phone pop up with Snapchat on, like you automatically look over. You see a Snapchat. And then you see the dumb face they're making, and you're like, "What are you doing? What, what are you doing?" But you know you just did that thirty minutes. You know you just did that thirty minutes ago, or fifteen seconds ago. And but because you see them, you feel more self-conscious when you do your next Snapchat.
0: <laughs> I'm always self-conscious when I do my Snapchat today. I did exactly <laughs> what you did. I, when I was at the red light, I said, "This is the perfect lighting." Or a selfie. And I had to hurry up and pull Snapchat up. And I had to get the perfect photo. There's a certain time where you, mm. you just have to go for it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I always... The thing I'm self-conscious about on my Snapchat is my chin. Um, I, I always... Like, 90% of the, my day, I'm spent lying down. So, like, if I take a Snapchat... Selfie, and my chin is hanging a little too low. It looks like I have 15 chins. So then I have to like I have to hit the X, go back and retake it, and I'm like, okay, that's uh, that's an acceptable chin. I, I don't look like I have 15. It only looks like I have three. <laughs> and so once it does I get once, yeah, the number of X's I hit is the number of chins I eliminate throughout my selfie process on Snapchat.
0: It takes some time to get the perfect picture. You have to be very patient. And that's the thing about Snapchat. You take that picture. You have to see whether it's perfect in that moment. There's no going for, like, Instagram. You could take pictures on your phone, like 20 of them, and be able to go through them and figure out which one's best. Snapchat, you have one shot to get that perfect photo or you have to keep retaking the same one. Yeah. Th-
1: this is one thing on Snapchat. This is one thing on Snapchat that I'm a not a fan of, but when you when somebody it says so-and-so is typing. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that because like On Instagram or whatever it may be, whatever social media may be, I need to circle something. So, like, I'll use on or on Snapchat. All just you know, some random person swipe over, use a picture, circle with the red, you know, thing, and then I'll get a me- like then I'll post it on Instagram or or Twitter or Facebook or whatever or send it to somebody and then I get a text message like or or message back on insta or on Snapchat are you, are you gonna finish typing once I get that message like by by the time I get that message it's like I don't I don't even know who are you like I, I don't even know who the person was that I was uh like using the circle thing I, I there needs to be an app that you can just circle, like, like on a Windows uh, computer, where you could use the Paintbrush app, or not, not an app, but the Paintbrush Windows Paint, and then just circle something and then send it off. There needs to be something like that, and I mean, maybe there is. I'm just not technically sound enough. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of different apps you can use to make your Snapchat easier to, you know, work. But mm. that takes away the fun of, of it being Snapchat. I like it for what it is. But the the part about he or she or whatever their username is typing, it makes you so anxious. Like you, you want to sit there and, and you want to know, okay, when are they going to respond to me? Why aren't they responding fast enough? I know they opened the Snapchat. It just makes me so anxious.
1: I kind of feel like, you know, Snapchat has brought back the, I guess, I don't know how you put it, the high school or or the AOL, I don't know know if you're old enough for this, but the AOL instant messenger type thing, like the (sighs) – the or the, uh, I, I guess the high school text message back type thing, where you kind of get that that feeling in your stomach where you're like, all right, yeah, you know, you text somebody that you like, and you're waiting for a response back. I, I feel like Snapchat has kind of brought that back for people that are now 25, like myself. <laughs> does, does, does that make sense? Like where. You you, te- you 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 send a Snapchat to somebody you like, and, and then you wait for you know a Snapchat back where you're like, all right, yeah, 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 yeah bring 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 something back. You got the uh, you, you kind of got that feel in your stomach. Do, do you feel like Snapchat has brought that back? And is is there anything else that can? Re- I mean, is there anything else to bring it, bring
0: that back? I do think that it brings it back, but only because you get to do that private messaging, but the conversation is mm-hmm. erased, so you forget everything you talked about. Whereas on AOL Instant Messenger, you were able to keep the conversation. You could log out, log back in, and your conversation would still be there so you know what you discussed. And sometimes it, we could be so wrapped up in, in doing something, we'll look at a snap, go back to what we were doing, and then when we get back on there to reply, we completely forgot what the other person said.
1: So <laughs> the,
0: Well, it's yeah, exactly no, the, the,
1: there's not a single person on this earth without ADHD at this point because of Snapchat. Because as soon as, it, like, like I'll, I'll wake up one morning and be like, and I'll be like, I opened the Snapchat from that person. Who the hell is that person? What the hell did I open from them? <laughs> and but like I always think it, it, it's funny. With uh, I, I feel like Snapchat was created to be the last outlet for people to cheat. Like you know, like I mean, I feel like it's the last cheat. Like text messages are kind of you know they they can be deleted, but. it's tough to cheat anymore over text message. It's tough to cheat over a phone call or, you know, whatever, whatever, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, I feel like is the last chance for people to cheat. And uh, and that's why they got
0: rid of best friends.
1: Yes, exactly. You are. Thank you. I I was just about to lead into that. And yes, it is best friends. Because, yes, whenever you meet up with friends anymore, you're talking to so-and-so on Snapchat, and I guarantee you some guy was getting a little uh, Snapchatty with a lady, and his wife brought it up, and he went to the Snapchat directors, and that got taken care of immediately. I kind of don't like that. I kind of don't like not knowing who is sleeping with who anymore.
0: Are you saying you don't like not being nosy anymore? Say say that again. Is that a good way of saying you don't like not being able to be nosy anymore?
1: Yeah, that that's a good way. I I, I like to know <laughs> who's you know, you know who's who's getting friendly with each other. I mean I mean, are are we not all in? Whether it's celebrities or not, we're all interested in who's. You know, getting together, and you can pretty much put the pieces together that on that on Snapchat best friends at the time.
0: Yep, everyone's curious. I actually, know some people who have gotten messed up, or or not into altercations, but they've gotten caught up because of their best friends on on Snapchat. And then once they once other people see that, um, they reach out to you like, why are you talking to them so much?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just it, it's just a curious thing to me. I'm a little, I like to be gossipy. Um, I like to be a little, you know, I'm intrigued, and also like to hold kind of an ace. You know, an ace of spades in the hand. Where if somebody says something, then I can go. I could kind of slip that one in there. As far as if they, have, you know, if they have something on me, I have something on them. But without Snapchat, I don't have that kind of ace in the hole, so to speak. Yeah,
0: everyone likes to know what's going on. Everyone likes mm-hmm. to to know what's going on with the next person. Everyone just wants to be in the know yeah. pretty much to make sure mm-hmm. they're not missing anything. Well,
1: Robin, this is awesome. Like this was a, this was a great show. Um, <laughs> I do want, uh, I mean, this last, this, this last you know, half hour or so, or I don't even know what concept of time, but this last conversation was awesome. Um, you want to tell everybody where we can find you on Twitter, the internet. All that good stuff?
0: Yes, of course. Um, All of my social media is I am Robin Neal. That's I-A-M-R-O-B-Y-N-N-E-A-L. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. you can find me everywhere with the same username.
1: Awesome. Robin, I appreciate you coming on. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Great conversation, and I hope to have you back on the show again before your show, your uh, career blows up, because this <laughs> is... The, the Bob Sullivan Show blows up everybody's career except for mine.
0: <laughs> I think you're pretty cool. I was excited to be on your show, so I would think you've you blown up already. You just didn't know.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon. Uh, definitely... Once baseball season's over, I, I have plenty of time, so I will have, you know, multiple guests a week. So you will definitely be on that, you know, the list of best
0: guests. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered com. It's
0: my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>